as we return to our series through the book of Acts, see what it means to be a church in action. We've been four weeks in this chapter already. We've covered the first ten verses so far, and we've seen what real ministry looks like, the difference between a religion and a relationship with Christ, and then how Christ will make a difference in a person's life, both inwardly and outwardly. I won't do a longer recap than that, so if you missed it, go back and listen. I do want to take the time, though, tonight to read this entire chapter, because we're kind of in this transition point between verse 11 and 12, and we just have to, so bear with me, okay? The Bible says in Acts chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms, And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified His Son Jesus, whom ye delivered up, and denied Him in the presence of Pilate when He was determined to let Him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just, and desired a murderer to be granted unto you, and killed the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses." And his name through faith, I always get, this verse always gives me a tongue twister here, so let me slow back down. And his name through faith in his name hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I woke not through ignorance ye did it, as did also your rulers, but those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ which before was preached unto you whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. Ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you, and turning away every one of you, from his iniquities. 
Amen. If you're reading your Bible through, you can now check off Acts chapter 3. We concluded last time in the first half of verse 10 where the people that were present knew that it was He which sat for alms at the beautiful gate. And we talked about how Christ will make a noticeable difference in the lives of His children. Christ lives on the inside and God begins to do a work inwardly that will manifest itself outwardly. Now as we pick this account back up, we see at the end of verse 10 that the people were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto Him. We may not see great differences in lifestyles when one is saved early in life. When a child is saved who grew up in church, there's not going to be a whole lot of change outwardly that we see. But when an adult who has been born again and never knew the things of God, when that takes place and Christ does a work in the heart, then it can cause their friends and their acquaintances to be filled with wonder and amazement. Who is this? This is not the guy I knew before, right? Because God is doing a work inside of the life of that person. This man was a crippled beggar, but when Christ came into his life, he was transformed by the power of Christ uh, being healed by him, and now he's no longer begging for money. (laughs) He was walking and leaping and praising God. And people are going to be filled with all kind of wonder and amazement when a drunkard is made a sober, when a drug addict is made clean, when indecency is replaced with decency, when marriages are restored, when children are reclaimed, and when families are salvaged. You see, God is still a miracle-working God. We just need to know where to look. He's still performing miracles, and that's when we need to do like this man did, and we need to praise God for His wonderful works among the children of men. All right, let's move on to verse 11 tonight. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. Uh, Verses 7 through 11 here, they really give us a great picture of this event unfolding. This man who has never walked a day in his life, he immediately receives strength in his feet and ankle bones, He goes walking, he's leaping, he's praising God, and all the people witnessing this, they are filled with this wonder and amazement. And now in verse 11, this man, he's holding on to Peter and John. Can you picture that in your mind? Just This man is above 40 years old, chapter 4 is going to tell us. And and this man, he's hanging on to Peter and John. We can only imagine the gratitude that this man must have had for Peter and John in his life, ministering to His needs in Christ's name. And and I believe that we should have an affection for those who have made great impacts in our lives spiritually. I don't see anything wrong with that. Pastor Williams always spoke very highly of Frank Bumpus because he's the one that led him to the Lord. And, And I hope you have those in your life that you have an affection for spiritually, those you hold on to, as it were. I know I have several in my life who... I dearly love. They made a big impact in my life. Of course, my parents would be the starters. Um, Thank God they raised me. (laughs) Um, What a blessing to be raised in a godly home. Uh, Pastor Williams is certainly another that's made a big impact in my life. And there's there's another man I don't mention very often. I've mentioned him maybe once or twice. 
but when I was 12 years old and my parents attended Hill Street Baptist Church in Powder Springs, Georgia, um, there was a church down the road in Marietta called Hollydale Baptist Church. And they had an extra ticket for somebody to go to Jekyll Island, Georgia for a week-long youth camp. And I got the ticket. And I got down there and I got saved. And the man that drove the van down there was Don Cagle. And I'll never forget him for doing that. Made such an impact in my life. And I don't even know if if he'll ever know. I, I look him up from time to time and it's usually late at night. And by the time I think about it, Weeks have passed, and I can start the whole process over. But, you know, that is, a, that is something that is very near and dear to me, this guy. And I hope you have those in your life, people who have made an impact uh, in your life spiritually. Thank God for them. Hang on to them. And w- when we think of those who impacted our lives, we must remember, though, and, and this is going to be the key of the message tonight, we, we have to remember that they're just human instruments in the hands of a good God. We thank God for them, but they're just, they're just people. And, and we've got to be careful because the danger in, in elevating people is we can end up elevating them to a loftier position than they deserve. We are not to worship the people who impacted us, but it is okay to have a fondness for them. And if you're one who has made an impact in someone else's life, and I know many of you are even here as you teach a class or as you drive a bus or whatever you're doing, and you're making an impact in another person's life, make sure that you're directing all the attention to God because He's the one that deserves the glory. He's the one that deserves all the praise. And that's what Peter's going to do here in that message I read from verse 12 down through the end of the chapter. He's going to be sure that God is getting all the praise and glory that He deserves. And so... In, in verse 11 here next, we see a multitude of people, they began to gather together with what is taking place, and they're now located at what is called Solomon's Porch. This would have been situated along the eastern wall, the outer wall of the temple, uh, right there in the court of the Gentiles. And it's called a porch, but it's not the porch in the sense that we think of a porch today. It didn't jut off a house. This was like a covered walkway, a portico. It was columns and it was covered over. And, and many thousands could get around the temple to get out of the weather, the sun, whatever was, was going on there. But it was this covered walkway. And what's interesting about this taking place in Solomon's porch, well, there's a couple of reasons. But one was Solomon was noted for a man with great wisdom. And here at the porch called Solomon, the, the people are about to hear of a more excellent wisdom than that of Solomon. Jesus said, the queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, for she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, a greater than Solomon is here. And it's interesting, again, that this is taking place here because of what took place in Jesus' ministry back in John chapter 10. Many of you will know that chapter, that's when Jesus is talking about the sheep and Him being the shepherd and He's the door and all those things. And, and in that chapter, it says this in chapter 20, or verses 23 through 25, And as Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch, then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. 
This is interesting. They demanded of Jesus, if thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. They're at Solomon's porch. And Jesus said, the works that I do in my Father's name, I'm getting excited, they bear witness of me and they prove who I am. And now, here in Acts chapter 3, this miraculous work has taken place in Christ's name and is at Solomon's porch. And Peter's going to plainly preach Christ in hopes of removing all their doubt. Okay, that was just for me, amen. I, I, I was so excited when I was studying that, but okay, we'll move on. We'll move on. Amen. Uh, I felt it was worth highlighting. Now from verse 12, praise God. Um, such a lively bunch, amen. Verse 12. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? Peter saw it. What did he see? He saw all these people running together, crowding into this event that's taking place. And Peter knew this is an opportunity to preach Christ. You know, we don't often take advantage of those opportunities that God gives us. But we need to be like Peter here, and we need to be opportunistic. There are things that take place, and we know the Holy Spirit's tugging on us to witness, and we don't. There are maybe good illustrations we see happening right before our eyes, and we don't take advantage of it. And we've, we've got to be more open about sharing the gospel. Peter here, he's in the midst of thousands of people. And he has his opportunity to preach Christ. And I would tell you tonight, take every advantage you get to share Christ. I know some preachers will get up here and I'm not going to rebuke them if they do. Well, if you're at work, you're being paid to work. Listen to me. My opinion, if the Holy Spirit opens that door, you go through it and you witness. I don't care where you're at. That person may be on their way to hell that day. Amen. You take advantage of every opportunity. I did that throughout my military career. Did you ever get in trouble for it? Yes, I did. But I don't care. God never kicked me out. Amen. Take every advantage. Preach Christ and Him crucified. So just like in chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, as the uh, people were filled with the Holy Ghost, they spake in, in other languages, the people were filled with wonder and amazement there in chapter 2, and Peter used that as an opportunity to preach. We have the same thing happening here in chapter 3. This great work has been done through Christ. People are being filled with wonder and amazement. People are starting to gather together, asking questions, what's going on? And Peter now uses this as an opportunity. Uh, Dr. Tom Malone wrote, These early preachers did not preach to live, they lived to preach. Whoop! Now Peter, he doesn't use this moment to elevate himself. This is important that we recognize this because the Catholics would have us to believe that Peter was the first pope. Peter never sought for stature or position among men. He never used an occasion to lift himself up. He was careful that he magnified Christ. And if there was ever an opportunity for Peter to seek for power, it's here. But he doesn't do that. Instead, he is going to immediately place himself in the background and he's going to bring Christ to the forefront and preach Him. You see, these men 
and, the, and this early church, they ministered to the glory of God. The success of their ministry was always attributed to God. You never find them saying, you know why this was able to happen? It's because I'm so close with God. They're not bragging on themselves. Their boast is in the Lord. And that's where our glory has to be. They always stress the power of the risen Lord. They knew that they were not the source of their power. Of that power. They they knew that. But they were merely vessels being used by God. And I think many churches get things backwards sometimes when they begin to think, there is none else like us. I think it's over in Zechariah. I can't remember what verse or what book. Um, No, listen. It's just because God is good. God honors truth. And none of us are worthy to get up here and say, well, bless God, you know why. They were aware of their limitations. But they were also aware that there was no limitation to what the risen Christ could do through them and with them. And this is the secret to the Christian life. This is the secret to being a church in action. There is a recognition, a, a recognition that all of this tonight is all about Him. It's not about any man or woman. It's about Christ. The Christian and the church will eventually learn that so long as they think about what they can be and what they can do, then there's nothing but frustrations and failures. But when the children of God learn it is no longer I, but Christ that liveth in me, then there's there's something that we have that we can't get any other way. We have peace with God. We have power with God. But it's all about God. And therefore, those, hear me now, those who will be greatly used by God will be those who will learn to greatly glorify God. Because God said, I am not sharing my glory with another. My name will not be polluted. That might be in my note somewhere coming up. We'll hear it twice if it is. He must increase. We must decrease. This is the key for a church to be mightily used by God. We don't magnify our preachers. We don't magnify our teachers. We don't don't magnify them too highly. And we don't point to our programs. Listen, we don't point to our good administration. I mean, my secretary doesn't even do the bulletin. Uh, She'll never know I said it. Renee, are you going to go tell her right now? (laughs) Amen. (laughs) That's right. But you know, all glory belongs to God. People want to know, hey, what's going on over there? What are you doing? I'm not doing anything. Just preaching the Bible. People are just being faithful. 
kind of programs you have. We have preaching. Well, what's your administration? You got some kind of program you're running over there? No. I'm not even smart enough to come up with those things. That's a fact. And so anyway, this is the key to be used by God. And, and once we know all glory belongs to God, only then will God use Liberty Baptist Tabernacle in a very great and unique way to reach Rapid City and the surrounding areas. And so Peter, he proceeds not by pointing out his own holiness or power, but look at verse 12. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel, ye, why marvel ye at this, or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our power or holiness we had made this man to walk? Peter, he doesn't want people seeing Peter and John, but he wants them seeing Christ. Paul and Barnabas are going to have to do the same thing when we get to Acts chapter 14. That's, I already cited chapter 14 earlier in this chapter because it's, it parallels this a lot. There's another crippled man who's never walked in his life, and Paul perceived his faith and said, rise up and walk, and the man did so. Well, when that happened over there in Lystra, we read this in Acts chapter 14, verses 11 through 15. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of Lyconia, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. And they called Barnabas Jupiter and Paul Mercury. <laughs> I can never say this, and I practice it. <laughs> and Paul Mer- Mercury. Sorry, we're just going to move on. Um, Mercury. All right, anyway. Because he was the chief speaker. Hey, listen, I make it look good up here. It's harder than it looks, amen. Um, then the priest of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands under the gates and would have done sacrifice unto the people, which when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of, they rent their clothes, they ran in among the people crying out and saying, Sirs, why do ye these things? We are also men of like passions with you and preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein. Paul and Barnabas were about to be worshipped as gods. But they ran in, and what did they do? They began to direct people's attention Godward. And likewise, Peter and John here, they begin to sense the attention being upon them, but they are attempting to direct the attention back to God. And Paul and Barnabas, they said, listen, we're, we're, like, we're men just like you. We have, we have like passions. Uh-oh, let me refix the pulpit. There we go. Uh, he says, we're of men of like passions with you. What are they saying? We're nothing special. Well, I hope you know that tonight. I, th- I feel like I just bursted some, busted some bubbles. What's the word? Hey, listen, we're nothing special. And, and we are certainly nothing to be worshipped. Peter says, don't look on us as though by our own power or holiness we made this man to walk. You know, Joseph never gave himself the credit for interpreting dreams. But he credited God. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. And I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. The same was true of Daniel. Daniel chapter 2, the king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, 
Art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king? But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Thy dream and the visions of thy head upon thy bed are these. These were men who became elevated, very high in the land. But it wasn't because they sought for position. Are you hearing me? Listen, promotion comes from the Lord, the Bible says. And He will elevate those who elevate Him. John seven eighteen, Jesus said, He that speaketh of Himself seeketh His own glory. But he that seeketh His glory that sent Him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in Him. In Acts chapter 10, uh, Peter, he's going to get the vision to go to the Gentiles. He's going to go to Cornelius' house. And it says over there in Acts chapter 10, verses 25 and 26, And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter took him up, saying, Stand up, I myself also am a man. (laughs) And So Peter says, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Don't marvel at this like we're the ones capable of such great power. We don't possess this power in of ourselves. But look to God. Because with God, all things are possible. With God, nothing is too hard for Him. Don't be surprised at this miracle because Christ routinely performed miracles before you. And then Peter says, why look ye so earnestly on us? Don't praise us. It's not by our holiness. It's not by our power which made this man to walk, but it is because of God and His Christ. Matthew Henry wrote this, The instruments of God's favor to us, though they must be respected, must not be idolized. So we have to be careful to give all credit to God. Psalm 115 and verse 1, Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto Thy name give glory for Thy mercy and for Thy truth's sake. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15.10, But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. And then in Galatians 2.20, Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. God said through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 48.11, this is the verse I was quoting earlier, for mine own sake, even for mine own sake will I do it, For how should my name be polluted? And I will not give my glory unto another. You see, all of the crowns that we may earn, they're to be cast at Jesus' feet before His throne. And we're to say, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. You see, only one is worthy, and that's Christ. We're to bring glory to His name because it is due to Him. It is owed to Him. None of us deserve the glory. He is the one who has been exalted above every name. He is the one that all will bow before. He is the one who is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the one who paid our redemption. And He alone deserves all the praise. So where's your praise tonight? Do you keep looking at yourself as if you're something special? That maybe you're God's gift to Christianity. 
I tell you, that church uh, liberty, it wouldn't be where it's at if it wasn't for me. It's funny when people threaten, you know. Well, we're going to leave. Okay. This church is not built upon your back. Last I checked, Christ bled for it and died for it. Well, I'm going to get cantankerous right there. I can feel it. But a church in action will take advantage of every opportunity to witness, to preach Christ, to get the word out. And a church in action will give all glory to God. A church in action will cease to boast of themselves and they trust only in the merits of Christ. What things were gained to us, we have to count but loss for Christ. When we count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus our Lord. We can never forget that it's all about Christ. Your salvation, it's not about you. You can't earn it and you can't keep it. It's about Christ. Amen. Your sanctification. See, so many of you, you're trying to do it in in your flesh. You don't even recognize it. But you're making it so much about you. If, if I can just do this, and if I can just get this straightened out over here, and if I can just check these boxes, then the Christian life is just going to flow right into place. It's all about Him. You say, you say, how do I get victory? It's victory through Christ. How do I see Him do great things in my life? It's through Christ. How, how do I grow in sanctification and knowledge of our Lord? It's all through Christ. And yet we, we turn Christianity around and we make it complicated and we say, no, it is dependent upon me because I've got to do X, da, 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 da. It's all about Him. Amen. Let's never forget that Liberty Baptist Tabernacle is all about Christ. Amen. And let's always be careful to give Him all the praise, the honor, and the glory. Amen. Because He is worthy. Let's pray.